This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, you're listening to the Blue Monday podcast, a three-times weekly show looking into the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club available on podcasts and on YouTube. My name is Mikey Penty-Smith. I'm being given an end-of-season run-out again on this, the Blue Monday preview show. I'm here to get expert opinion on Ipswich's next and final opponents of the season, Middlesbrough Football Club. So this week, from the Borough Podcast, we have James Howell. How are you, mate? And also, where are you? Hey, Michael, good to speak to you. I'm currently in South India, so it's... uh... A late, late phone in, but we managed to make it with the Borough podcast so far, so it's, it's good to join you. Yeah, it's great. It's great to have you on. Um, and you must be, I mean, it's hard not to be relaxed uh, where you are, but you must be a lot more relaxed than you were this time a week ago ahead of the Millwall game. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it was, it was delaying booking my flights home uh, just in time for the podcast, which is, which is quite nice. Uh, but, you know, that, that result against Millwall was emphatic really not only was it a soft performance and a really sort of comfortable victory in the end but it followed on from two previous victories against Derby Bristol City where we put those sort of top sides to bed really yeah it was a cracking result and yeah I already watched it on the telly but it seemed like a good atmosphere as well which um, bodes well for the playoffs um, well good atmosphere until the end so it must feel like a long time ago that you, play, that you last played Ipswich. It was back in December. Gary Monk was still in charge. Um, but you beat you beat us two 0 with goals from Braithwaite and Bamford. No, it's been a long season, but what can you remember from that game? Well, this December itself uh, for Borough was, was was a bit bizarre, really, because I went to the whole whole song season before then. Uh, I mean, it helps uh, for Borough fans to look at the season in two halves, really, sort of pre and post Monk. Uh, because before, when, when Monk was in charge, it was a bit of a shambles, really. You know, players didn't know what they were doing and um, they were in short positions and, and what the manager actually wanted of them, which has since been ironed out. In terms of, sort of the interest game as well, that was one of the occasions that offered us kind of a bit of false hope, really. That we thought, okay, now it's clicked, now we're going to be able to kick on for the season. And we were sort of in and around touching, touching distance of the top six, much like Ipswich were at the time. Um, but again, that, that result turned out to be a bit of a, a, bit of a false alarm, really. And, and then we had a couple of disappointing results after that. And it's time for Monk to go. 
Yeah, you went into that game having lost, I think you lost three of your last four matches. Um, were you still behind Gary Monk at this stage generally, Middlesbrough fans, or had you started to turn? Um, I mean, overall, in the run-up of those sort of few games before the Ipswich game, people were still relatively confident, you know, he, he had an entirely new squad and a lot of new players to work with to try and embed into some sort of running system and to try and throw the shackles off the previous regime as well. You know, under Kremenke, it was very solid and organised and, and defensive, really. And, you know, we didn't, didn't really see that many goals and thought that Monk would have a lot on his hands. And he said it himself that, you know, he was trying to shake, shake the shadow of relegation and the previous regime off these players. But in the run to those games, there's a few disappointments that stood out, uh, notably the, the total capitulation against Derby, where we got beat 3-0 at home. It's, it's something that we've not seen in many a year. Even, even when we're in the Premier League, it was only Liverpool that scored three at the Riverside. And uh, another disappointment was when we were totally outplayed by Bristol City, which is when we kind of started to realise that maybe, maybe this job was too big for Gary Monk, but he wasn't quite ready for the scale of the turnaround that was needed at Middles Football Club. So, yeah, I think the short answer that the knives died to be out for Monk, really. Because I suppose uh, Karanka had assembled a squad that suited him. He'd been there a couple of years uh, to play in a certain style, which is quite different to Gary Monk's, really, I'm sure, by his own admission. So was it a case of Monk not having the right players at his disposal, or is that just an easy excuse to make? because um, he had relatively free reign when, when he came into the club. You know, the amount of signings that we made when, when he came in, you know, with the likes, and, and big money signings as well, you know, with the likes of a Sombolonga and my break, right, who cost us the best part of 10 million as well. Uh, Randolph, Ashley Fletcher, Johnny Housen, you know, some, some really big, big signings there. And within sort of, you know, sort of six months, you know, not only it clicked, didn't really know what to do with these players. And you could, you could tell as well that, they didn't have a clue what Gary was asking of them. So it wasn't a case of, well, I mean, maybe it was a case of Karanga had a very, very specific idea of what he wanted them, and Monk had no idea, which left left some of the players we knew quite well, you know, your George Friends, your Ben Gibsons, your Danny Ayalas, who were established players in, in the side and have been for years. But they were sort of all, all at sea, really, and it just didn't look like the players that we once were and the players that we knew that they are. That they are. Got my tenses all to since then, correct? Uh, that, is, that is interesting, though. Um, and just a few weeks few weeks after that wonderful 2-0 victory at Home Swips, which Gary Monk was gone and Tony Pulis came in. seemed like it was all sort of set up behind the scenes before it actually happened. Um, was he the... Ma I guess you had an idea that Monk was going. Is, was Pulis the type of manager that he wanted to come in? And if not, who, who did he have in mind at the time? Um, I think, I mean, even then, I don't think we were totally sure that Monk was going to go. It was, it was a relative shock for, for Borough fans, really, because Steve Gibson's built up a reputation of being a very, very patient chairman. It wouldn't be like him at all to sort of, you, you, you did it, so it kind of is, but it wasn't, wouldn't like him uh, to get rid of a player after, what, sort of four months of the season? Um, but, you know, he, he took his chance. I think it was relatively set up that, Pius was available and potentially interested and, and Monk had to go really. Um, with sort of Pulis coming in, I mean, 
it's not necessarily the the manager we would have wanted, but I think he was the manager that we needed. Really. Yeah. Uh, he was. He has completely turned around the team. He can't really say otherwise. As much as we might want to knock his style or his his his, his way of playing, really, it's it's effective now, and we've turned us from a inconsistent sort of top half top top half of the league side to a fifth place finish and you know he's come in and he's, he's been successful in what he's tried to do you mentioned the the style there i mean that's always been the main criticism of pulis did you notice a big difference going from gary monk to pulis like straight away was there a difference were the games less entertaining surprised all Borough fans really and it probably doesn't really help that Pulis' reputation is I sort of say after watching us for the last four or five months is that his reputation is a little bit undeserved there are a lot of over-reliance on set pieces and things like that you know that we, we looked at it the other week actually um, this, these, these, stats, these figures are a few weeks out of date but like of the previous sort of maybe 30 goals that we'd scored under, under Pulis that 65% of them were from open play and just 31% were from set pieces. Which kind of changed the thing because there was uh, a run of sort of six or seven goals that were just purely corners that we scored. But there were corners that won us games, so we weren't too upset about it. I mean, there was a few predictable things as well that comes with purity. Um, they opt for the big man at the top. Which we thought in Rudiger said would be his, his perfect play. I mean, match in heaven. Yeah. Uh, and, and it seemed like that for the first few games. You know, we'd, we'd always chopped and changed with whether we were playing three up front or one up front, and whether that was uh, a Sombolonga or Gestead or even Bamford. Uh, but by middle February, Gestead was up the season. So that threw his, threw his plans up in the air entirely. Um, but since then, Pulis has, has adapted and he's worked with both it and more Bamford to try and get some solid solid output forwards. And he has. You know, the last time we didn't score was way back in February, which is a surprise for our fans because we've grown used to being a grind them out one or two nil winners for the past few years now. Uh, and so there the other players in the squad as well that we thought. Uh, well, there's, there's one player in our squad called Adama Traore. We thought Pulis is not going to have any time. For yeah, I I actually had lined lined up a question about Triore. <laughs> okay. Uh, sure. Yeah, we, Ben and I were were talking about him, and we we were also we couldn't believe how he's really flourished under Pulis, and he's been given the opportunity to. We wouldn't have had him as he doesn't seem like a Pulis man to us, but he's he's been brilliant, hasn't he? He's one of the most exciting players in the league this season. Singapore fan had marked out going he's going in January he's, he's not lasting a week under the list you know, he's straight out of the door but it's turned out to be sort of quite a nice relationship between the two I think sort of the problem with Adama is that he is still very very young he's still only about 21 um, and the manager before mainly sort of Karanka and a bit, a bit of, well Monk really fancy him at all didn't really trust him or play him but Karanka just tried to manage him and sort of try and 
develop his game, he used to switch in wings so he could be on the side that Karanka was stood at by the touchline to offer him direction in-game. And he used to give him extra coaching, you know, they'd sit down for a few hours each week and go through you know, his, his performance and really sort of one-to-one coaching. Whereas Pulis has sort of thrown the book out on that and said, right, not good at X, Y, and Z. You're, you're the quickest player in the league. You're, you're one of the strongest wingers in the league. You're one of the trickiest players that we've got. Let's play to your strengths and see what you can do. And I sort of unleashed him, really. And, you know, he, he started scoring and assisting this season, which has just been, been fantastic for him, really, because he's, he's not had a great time since he's joined us start of last season um, and, you know it's just good to see him come, come well and he's you know he obviously is a very excited player there's no one quite like him really it's, it's you never really know what he's going to do he'll happily glide past six opposition players and usually he's going into the back row but now he's he's picking out the striker yeah he reminds me a little bit of another player that played under Pulis uh, Crystal Palace was Yannick Bellassi uh, I know he's he hasn't had a great time of it at Everton, but he was outshining Zaha for large periods at Palace and looked a really exciting player and loved to take play, take players on. And then, like you said, the end product sometimes wasn't there, but the intent always was. And these are the players that fans enjoy watching. Absolutely, yeah. So, Pulis' time, especially at Crystal Palace, on sort of a side note, is very very underrated, really. Yeah, they were a good counter. And that, I'm afraid, is where the podcast interview ended. Uh, we were struggling with technical difficulties. I'm not sure whether it was something to do with James's Skype connection. He was laying by a pool somewhere in India. Um, or it might have been the recording software at my end. So big apologies for that. Um, this is only the second time that I've done this podcast. Will I get another opportunity next season now? I don't know. I think I'll need a, a big pre-season. But yeah, I'll try and pick up a few of the things that James said after the recording connection was lost because we did continue the conversation he was just talking about Adama Traore and how brilliant he's been under Tony Pulis Uh, he went on to just talk about Pulis in general and how it might be unfashionable that they score a lot of goals from set pieces but it's effective he really really seems to be enjoying Tony Pulis and it reminded me of the first well, the first 18 months or so under Mick McCarthy for Ipswich, maybe even longer than that, where we'd stick up for the fact that we weren't playing fantastic football and we'd we'd say against that, we're scoring goals, why does it matter? We're winning matches and I think that's very much how James feels about Middlesbrough now. Um, we went on to talk about who he expects Borough to, who he expects Pulis to pick for the game on Sunday against Ipswich. I was fully expecting James to tell me that players would be rested, don't want any injuries before the playoffs, but no, he turned around and said he expects a, a almost full-strength line-out. Uh, they, they beat Millwall last Saturday with the following lineup: Randolph in goal, Shotton, Ayala, Gibson and Friend at the back, Besic, Clayton and Houston in midfield. I mean, that's not a bad trio, is it? and then Downing and Traore either side of Asombolonga. He thinks maybe Patrick Bamford could come in for Asombolonga, but he doesn't expect there to be wholesale wholesale changes, which is maybe a bit worrying for Ipswich. As Brian Klug said, we're down to the bare bones. Could be a difficult afternoon, but a great test for some of our younger players. 
who had really had a bit of an easy ride of it in the second half at least at Reading. Um, I asked him to pick out three players from that team who he thinks Ipswich fans sh should look out for. And the first one he went for, of course, was Traore. And then he also said Mo Besic, who they have on loan from Everton. Uh, he described him as the type of midfielder that always appears to have time on his hands. And yeah, I mean, Mo Besic, I think, would probably walk into any team in the championship, um, even the very best. Fulham, the team who I consider to be the next best after Wolves. So yeah, he went for Besic. Uh, he said that we should look out for Bamford simply because he's got such a good record against Ipswich. Sco scored a few goals against us in in our playoff season in 14-15. Uh, another player that played against us during that season was Johnny Housen. Of course, he was with Norwich. I picked him out. James said that he maybe hasn't quite lived up to what Middlesbrough fans were expecting of him, but recently has started to tick things over. I think he's another player that has benefited from Tony Pulis coming in and just being a really well-organised team. Uh, so then I asked, is there any players in the Ipswich team who you would have at Middlesbrough next season? And he gave another left-field answer. He said, well, Teddy Bishop has always impressed me. How has he been getting on? Uh, and obviously that's quite a sad one because Bishop, he was excellent in his first season when he broke through when he was only 18 but has really struggled for injuries since um, but yeah he James expects him to be to end up being a decent championship slash Premier League player um, and I'm sure if Bishop can stay injury free that isn't beyond him um, I then took us down a trip down memory lane and asked him to pick out his favourite player who has played for both Borough and Ipswich I gave him the names Mowbray, Armstrong, Dyer, Ledbitter and Rhodes. And he surprised me once again. He went for Jordan Rhodes simply because of the important goals that he scored in their promotion season from a couple of years ago. Um, he also said that Ledbitter is really well thought of by Middlesbrough fans despite blatantly being a Sunderland fan. He told me a, an anecdote about somebody doing some work around his house and seeing that everything was decorated with Sunderland um, which just seems crazy to me if he's employed by by Middlesbrough so yeah that was the crux of it I suppose we talked for ages and ages and ages it was a really enjoyable conversation for me chatting to James he really knows his stuff massive Middlesbrough fan, really passionate. We did a couple of Twitter questions, but I can't really go into them without James here as well. So yeah, to wrap up, if you're still listening, thank you. Big apologies for the technical difficulties and the fact that this hasn't gone on to YouTube for obvious reasons. Um, Benjamin will be back with the I've Just Witnessed match review on Sunday. And then there is, of course, the flagship show with Dave Diamond. You'll find them in all of the usual places on YouTube and on podcast. And I just want to say to, to finish, on top of my apologies, to everyone going to Portman Road on Sunday, enjoy the game, enjoy the weather, and do all you can to persuade Bartosz Bielkowski to stay at Ipswich Town Football Club because we definitely need him if we're going to push forward next season under the new manager, whoever that is. Hearing George Burley at the moment, I'm really on the fence about that one I'm not sure whether Burley is at the right age for that job I 
I'd quite like a younger manager. But anyway, be careful what you wish for. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping. But in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.